1: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL.
0: Hockey, yeah, yeah. My favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show.
1: Not sure what we're going to be able to do when we're going to be able to do it. Um, nothing's, you know, open right now. We're still, we're still shut down. I, I spoke to the league uh, a couple days ago, and, and there was a. Um. Plan moving forward. But since then, we've had more cases, um, more positive cases. So, uh, you know, we have a call with the league today at 430 to, uh, you know, uh, with the league medical staff. Um, So we'll reassess where we are.
0: And with that, welcome into Judd's Hockey Show. That, of course, Wild GM Bill Guerin uh, talking about the team and basically the league's fight with COVID-19. Zolgad, Declan Goff is always and joining us. Our buddy from the rink live does a great job covering hockey and the golfers in particular, and we'll certainly talk about them. Jess Myers, Jess, welcome to the show. What's up? Hey guys, how you doing?
1: It's uh, it's the heart of hockey season, so hey, <laughs> it's all good. And it's and it's well below zero, It's seemingly everywhere, so it really does feel like this is hockey very true. Season.
2: Very true. This is hockey town season, that, Jess.
1: That that mild winter was fun for a little while, wasn't
0: it? <laughs> we had We've to get. We are always going to get this, okay? Like, we choose to live here. It's it's hard to say. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. I could have moved you two, Declan two. All right. I'm going to start off by by, um, asking you guys a question or presenting a case and then asking you guys a question. Because right now, obviously, since we did um, Judd's Hockey Show last week, the Wild has been on pause and they now have 12 players sidelined by COVID. 12 players on the list. We now have officially, I believe, at least five teams that have been paused. All, of course, in this country, not in Canada, where things are going absolutely fine. The Wild, the Abs, the Devils, the Sabres, the Flyers. And we actually had the the, um, post-game press conferences, the Zoom calls with the Vegas Golden Knights and the Ducks last night were essentially called off because a Vegas player had been pulled from the lineup in the second... Anyway, here's here's my point, and I want you, you guys to jump in off of this. As good a job as the league did in the bubble, which I praise them up and down, they got through it. They did a great job. No positive tests. Where is Gary Bettman right now? Like you can't have no. I'm dead serious, Jess. You can't have five teams paused. You can't be calling off press conferences. And and look, I I accept what's going on. I get that part, but where is your commissioner? You are literally having the Coyotes and Blues play 87 games consecutively against each other because everybody else can't play them. Just start with you and then go to Dex. Where's Gary Bettman?
1: There's a saying, and I've heard heard football people say this more often, but there's a saying, and it goes like this. Don't confuse hope for having a plan. (laughs) Don't say, you know, we hope things are going to go well. Have a plan for how things are going to go well. The NHL started this season really hoping that things would go well as far as COVID. They didn't have a plan in place, or at least not a plan that works. You know, rapid testing, all those things. Look at the Big Ten, for goodness sake. We, we did have a series postponed this coming weekend uh, in the Big Ten, but Big Ten hockey, for all the complaints about it, has done an amazing job of keeping guys healthy and keeping games being played. Um, so look around. I mean, this isn't that tough, Gary. Look around and- and see what other are doing with testing six times a week with rapid results all the stuff that that other places are doing successfully and do that so where is gary i don't know but you know we met gary in 93 when he threw up his hands and said "Eh, nothing i can do about your team going to dallas so you know this this is nothing new
2: yeah it's kind of funny too because i thought in general in in the early parts of summer when they're developing the plan that gary honestly had a had it Going pretty well for him, which was we we were joking like, oh my God, Gary Bettman looks competent of all the four major commissioners right now. All of a sudden, Gary Bettman's on top of the power rankings. But to Jess's point and to your point too, Judd, that there was no real contingency backup plan, and now the cases are piling up. You have twenty five percent of the league basically paused. I think I mean, we're if, if Vegas of gets paused and uh, Arizona gets paused, you're you're going to be talking about eventually having to pause the season for the lack of a better word cause, uh, I don't think they're gonna be able to get through this at this time. Like the timeline that they're on right now, there's no way they're gonna be able to finish this on time,
0: so here's my plan now in, in fact, since since Gary won't come forward with a plan, I will, okay? How about this one? We pause for fourteen days. We pause for fourteen days, and during that time, we evaluate what we've been doing, what we've been doing right, what we've been doing wrong, um get everybody as healthy as possible. And during those fourteen days, We redo the schedule. You ain't getting 56 games in for every team. It's ridiculous now. You're not going to do it. So get the schedule down to 45 games. Take the Canadian teams and offer up a $2 million prize for a tournament that they then play during the course of these 14 days that goes to the winner. I'm serious. Like, you've got to pause this thing. This makes no sense now. This makes no sense. So let's let's. Redo it, get schedules down, and if we don't, guys and Jess, if we don't get the schedules down, I think we have to accept that we're going to have to go to the same system that they went to for the bubble uh, qualifying round teams, points percentage. Yep. You can't make teams get—you're going to get guys hurt, and it's a—look, it's a look, we're trying to play, but we're trying to play through a pandemic. So So being steadfast about 56 games to me is ridiculous. So if you're not going to accept that, then accept the fact that a team like the the uh, Wild, let's say, plays 48 games, okay? And it's point percentage. Something like that. But I'm serious. I think they should pause this thing in the States, play a Canadian tournament, reward those teams, and get this thing right. Because right now, it's just embarrassing to have this many teams continually every day being like, we can't play for a week. Sorry. Peace out. Let the Blues and Coyotes play some more.
1: And in other leagues that have had multiple games postponed, canceled, whatever, we're seeing that as now the standard, the points percentage. I'm thinking of the women's WCHA, where the Gophers schedule has been, you know, hey, we've got an hour of ice time, anybody free to, to come give us a game. I mean, that's that's what it's become. And, you know, they've resigned to the fact that, hey, we're not going to get in a full schedule for every team. We've got to go with points percentage. Um, it's just crazy, some of the stuff. You know, I'm looking at it from a college hockey standpoint. We had a series a couple of weeks ago. Michigan Tech was supposed to play Lake Superior State up in the UP, you know, two good WCHA programs. Uh, supposed to start the game at 7 Eastern. We get an email at, like, noon saying, well, we're pushing the game back an hour because the test results aren't going to be available yet. It's like, seriously? You know, we're, we're going to wait another hour. Okay, so they wait the hour. Then the test results come back. Oh, no, we can't play now. And then we get an email like, you know, two hours later saying Michigan Tech's got a game with Northern Michigan tomorrow instead. Honest to goodness. This is like youth hockey coaches calling around (laughs) saying, hey, uh, you know, we had uh, St. Louis Park cancel on us. Hey, Woodbury, can you come over and and play? And, you know, we'll we'll get you all hot dogs after the game.
0: I'll buy you a beer. (laughs) Seriously. Well, you know, college, you can't really do that. Well, it depends on the age. But yeah, but I, I just but look, this is the one sport where the fact that this thing spreads continually does not surprise me. Again, we had a mumps yes. outbreak. Nobody gets the mumps, right? This league had what now? Five years back, four years back, a mumps outbreak. So I get that. But come back with a smaller schedule and a plan, and proceed from there. And it's almost like now it's just a joke. I oh, hey hey the ducks aren't gonna play for five days. I just and you know Bill Guerin the Wild GM guys having to basically come out and say, well we really can't come back too quick. Like he has to be the parent. Like what's the league planning? You know, yeah. If Nico Sturm has to be your first line center, that's just you know. Guerin's exactly right. So I just think that they need to regroup and and accept the fact that at least in the States, they got big problems. And I know that they you know, had good intentions to play 56 games, blah, blah, blah. But I don't see a clear path. And it's certainly not worth uh, potentially trying to play back-to-back-to-back-to-back games and guys being hurt just to say, yeah, right. but look, the Wild played 56 games.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think you're going to see that. I don't think the Players Association would stand for that. You know, we heard that pre, pre-bubble last summer, uh, Devin Dubnik, when he was still with the Wild, said, I don't know how many players are going to buy into the idea of, hey, you're going to go be away from your family for two months. Now, eventually they did, and it worked out pretty well. And it, let's face it, for the Wild, it was being away from your family for about a week because they were, they were knocked out pretty quickly. But, uh, you know, there are things like that at work. The Players Association is still pretty powerful. And, you know, I really don't think you're going to see guys signing up to, you know, play three games, have a day off, play another three games, have a day off, you know, things like that. I I just don't think the quality of the product is going to be there if you try and shoehorn that many games in late in the season just to say you played a
0: full schedule. All right, boys, hot-button issue of the week. Mikko Koivu plays 15 years as a member of of the Wild Uh, He then is told after the the qualifying round that Jess uh, referred to that he is not going to be brought back. I think there was an expectation among some that he might say, "Okay, peace out. I'm done playing. Thank you very much. But he does not. He he says, I'm going to continue to play. I'm going to shop my services. He gets signed to a contract by uh, John Tortorella's Columbus Blue Jackets. Koivu plays seven games and then on Monday or Tuesday suddenly announces that he is done. And so this is going, Jess, this is going to now bring up the great debate, uh, and there are certainly a lot of mixed emotions and feelings on this. Should the number nine be raised to the rafters at the X? I'm going to allow you to start, uh, and then Dex, would you? do you think it's a slam dunk that Koivu should, should be the first real player not the fans. You're number one. <laughs> Do you think that Miko should be the first real wild player to have his jersey retired, and it's the number nine?
1: No. Uh, I'm just going to put it out there. I don't. I don't see retiring Miko Koeva's number. Now he was an important player for this franchise for a lot of years. Uh, he was never a star player. You know, I, I don't think anybody. At any point in the in the history of this franchise, bought a ticket saying I want to go see Miko Koivu and see what he you know see what he's going to do versus the Avalanche. Um, I think he was an important part of this franchise, but I don't think that warrants jersey retirement. And on this topic, by the way, I, I made this note on Twitter. I'll make it here. Someday when I finish my basement, I'm going to have a framed Miko Koivu Blue Jackets jersey. Next to that, I'm going to have a framed Mike Piazza Marlins jersey. Five games. <laughs> I'm going to have a uh, Randy Moss Titans jersey, eight games. (laughs) And I think I'll probably have to get like a Franco Harris Seahawks jersey. Just, you know, just lined up there. You know, when you talk about players who were very briefly with one team. Oh, and and then, of course, my favorite, Chris Chelios with the Atlanta Thrashers, because uh, that's where where he ended his career. I I think I've got to have that jersey
0: collection somehow, right? That's a fantastic co- collection, is. yeah. Just guys who played <laughs> a hot tick with a team, and are like, "See you later." This ain't gonna exactly. work out for me. Mike Mike, a- Mike Madonna with the Red Wings. There you know. go.
2: Literally took the words. He should have come mouth. back here. He should have. He should
0: have played here. Seriously, <laughs> Absolutely, he should have. We we would have <laughs> loved it. There there would have been a call to retire Madonna's jersey just because he had played. So so are, are you close, let- Jess, on on this or no? Let me let me add this caveat. Yeah,
1: I think the watch probably will retire his number I think this is uh, a a way for them to create kind of some history of this franchise which has still only been around 20 years I think this is a way you know how many how many weekends did the twins have honoring Kirby Puckett over the course of of their career you know where they had one one weekend where they retired his number they had another you know it seemed like they had a a Kirby Puckett night every season and you know it's a for for teams to sell tickets and create some hype and create some media attention so i think it's something that the wild and their marketing arm probably will do i just don't necessarily think it's warranted uh to have a player's number retired and you also wonder if you don't do something like a ring of honor like the like the vikings have done where you don't necessarily retire a guy's number yep. but you have it you have it up there and and you know guys can i i think I believe I could be wrong on this, but I believe number 10 is the only number that the Vikings have actually retired. Uh, that was Fran Tarkenton, of course.
2: Different semantics, different reasons. Um, yes, I think they'll end up doing it, but I think it's an absolute criminal. It's, it's, a, it's a shame to do it to a Minnesota sports fan. The fact that Miko Koivu is going to be retired before Kevin Garnett or Randy Moss, I think, is absolutely insane to me. And Miko represents the franchise. He was, he was their, what their second first round pick in team history. I get what he was able to mean yep. to this team, but he never won a major award. I think they only got, yeah, they only got to the first round twice during his tenure. He was never a perennial all star. I hate to be like the old curmudgeon here, but like, what has he done outside of spent his entire career here? He was a good defensive forward and he was a good penalty killer. So is Joel Erickson Eck going to be retired in fifteen years if he spends his whole career here? Like where where are we rewarding that? Like it, it's not even close to the level of dynamics that Garnett and Moss and I'll even throw this name in, Joe Maurer made on the Minnesota sports scene. And Maurer's very controversial too, but it's not even it, Miko isn't even the same breath as those guys when it comes to iconic Minnesota sports fans. I know hockey is a cult sport. I know they're diehards and they support their guys, and I I think that's great. But I just do not understand the the rush. Also, the rush to want to retire his number.
0: And Jess is right, though this to me is a great um, um, jumping off point to establish a, a wild Hall of Fame ring of honor. I don't care what you call it, because Miko Koivu one thousand sure. percent deserves a knight, and he deserves a bobblehead, and he deserves a stuffed doll. Um, all of that stuff is great. But when we're talking about about the highest honor that you can give an athlete to me from a team in sports, right? And, and it might not be fair, Jess and Dex, but it is also a number that is a religious experience in hockey. The number nine, like the guy that wears that, if that goes to the rafters, should be a guy who is going to walk into the Hall of Fame. I mean, or Skaden, or take your pun. But, I mean, this is literally a player that should step right into Toronto and the Hall of Fame. Koivu did not win a cup here. He didn't get close. I don't think he is going to be, at the end of the day, a Hall of Fame player. He did not win a scoring title. He did not win major awards. Um I think we get confused here by by really quality longevity as greatness. And it's not. It's not the same thing. doesn't mean that I don't think he was good. It doesn't mean that I don't think that he should be brought back here and given a night. Um, but I can't do it. I simply cannot. And I think that if the wild uh, powers that be sit down in the coming months and say, let's start to plan for fans to be back uh, in 21, 22 and let's start to plan our nights, okay? And somebody says, well, at what point in time are we going to have the Koivu Jersey retirement um, festivities? I I would say this. Examine what you're saying as far as the mediocrity that we've been subjected to from that team, and I love the sport, for 20 years. Because that's what that is. Like, if that's your player, if if this was a conversation about Gabrick had played 15 years here, right, and had scored a ton of goals, and they had made a Stanley Cup Finals. Then the number 10 goes up, and that's cool. But we're talking about a conversation, Jess, to your point about how do do we, you know, market this? And it gives, and it's it's uh, if you retire Koivu's jersey, it sort of signifies his time period here. But what was his time period here? A disappointment. You know, it was yeah. Parisi, Suter yeah, It was underachieving. Exactly was underachieving. right. So so what so what about that causes you to say we need to acknowledge it? Like with again the yeah. highest honor that you can give. I just don't see it.
1: Uh, yeah, I see a ring of honor type thing. Absolutely, yeah. you know. And I see like a, a Marion Gabrick in that. I see Zach Parisi, I see Ryan Suter in, in that ring of honor type type thing. But not not with a number retirement. I, I I don't warrant that. Now you know, we we mentioned Randy Moss. I I still, you know, it's still weird to me to see Cordero Patterson or Andre Allison or somebody like that wearing number eighty four because you talk about an iconic player, and yes, you know, didn't win a Super Bowl here, didn't win a Super Bowl anywhere in his career, but um, you think of a, a franchise changing person, yep. You know, a, a, and we've talked before about a Randy Moss, and and seems to be deserving of that honor, but but yeah, I I just don't see it for a player like Miko Kuevou. Um, now, uh, with that said, always, you know, had a, a, a positive experience with him as a team captain. He understood his role. He was always the, the one who would stand up and talk to the media, even after, you know, they put some real crap out on the ice a lot of nights. You know, he was the one who, who knew, hey, I'm going to be at my locker. I will speak on behalf of the team. I will do my job because I have the C on my sweater. I also think a huge accomplishment was the fact that he kept that C on his sweater the last 10 years during a time when Zach Parisi came on board and, you know, seemingly everyone thought this is Parisi's team. Why doesn't he, he you know, have the letter on his sweater, all of that. You know, we've heard all the talk that Parisi and Suter have tried at various times to take over the locker room. I don't know, you know, the accuracy of that, but that was certainly the rumor mill surrounding the wild. And the fact that Miko Koivu was able to kind of hang on to that position says something to me about his leadership as well.
0: All right, next topic, Jess Myers. Your club, the Gophers, got off to what ten and zero start. Things look great. I still think they're good, but um, I'll tell you, I watched both games uh, last weekend against Wisconsin, and the Saturday night experience was very tough to watch. What do you think has been the main reason for this team taking a definite step backwards uh, since that ten and zero beginning?
1: You know, I think a lot of things have just actually kind of gotten in their heads. They haven't dealt with a lot of injuries. There hasn't been a ton of personnel changes on this team, but to see them go, you know, 10 and oh in their first 10 and five and five in their next 10 has been really surprising. Take nothing away from Wisconsin. That's a very good team, but it's not a seven goals better than the Gophers team. So what we saw on Saturday night was, was a flip. You know, Wisconsin um, Wisconsin's very good on the power play. They, they've got the best power play in the big 10. Well, Immediately, two minutes into the game, the gophers take a five minute major, and And let me just rant for a second on this play, OK. Jackson Nelson is a big, six foot four, huge guy, okay. He hits a badger who's smaller. The badger goes into the boards. they call a five minute penalty. It's legit, okay? They're, they're protecting players. They call a five- minute major for boarding or checking from behind or whatever it was. It's a legit call, but it was a hockey play. You know You can say a big guy checked a small guy. He went into the boards. It's a five-minute major. Okay, I'm fine with that. What happens next is Dominic Mersch from Wisconsin, protecting his teammate, skates into the frame and cross-checks Jackson Nelson in the neck. Play is over. Stick stick to the neck. How you can argue that's not a five-minute major worthy infraction when there's clearly intent to injure, it's not a hockey play, anything like that, that I don't get. So if you're the Big Ten – I'm absolutely fine with you calling a five-minute major on Jackson Nelson, but to let that kind of stuff go on after the whistle really yeah. bothered me. Yeah,
0: That
1: that stuff aside, you know, immediately, you're down a man, you give up a power play goal, then you take another penalty, you give up another power play goal, just like that, it's 2 nothing, and Wisconsin can do what they do and they can make it a track meet and, uh, you know, just turned out to be disastrous. So here's what's interesting. Talking to Bob Notsko after the game, you know, Two weeks earlier, they had put up 20 goals on the weekend against Arizona State. They beat them 10 nothing and 10-2, okay? And Bob Motzko, after that second game, said, you know, for every coach, for every team, there's one weekend a year that you just have to throw it in the trash. You just have to forget about it. You have to move on. Well, the Gophers had already had that weekend against Notre Dame. They had lost a pair of, of, of one-goal games against Notre Dame where, uh, you know, they, they had opportunities to win both games and just didn't. So I said to Bob Motzko, is this one okay? It, which one of these do you throw in the trash? You know, do 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 you tell your guys, "Hey, forget about this 8 to 1 game, let's just move on." Or you know, do you make them uh do you make them pay for it? And his initial reaction was, "You know what? We're going to wear this one. We're we're going to we're going to hang this around our neck and Use this as a reminder, essentially, and I'm putting words in his mouth, but can I use this as a reminder of how we have to not play if we want to be a contender for a national championship? And talking to him this week, just kind of briefly, he said, we had a pretty tough practice on Monday. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't the full Herb Brooks, I don't think, but uh, I, I think there were some reminders that, a you know, um, you know he, he, this, is, this is potentially a pretty special team. So this is not something you can just write off that, hey, we've hit our ceiling and let's move on. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a, a team that he still believes can do something pretty special in the next month and a half.
0: So how, how, what's the expectation about guys who are going to come back now? So are, are we is this a special team that's going to lose a lot of guys who opt out and opt to go pro, or are there expected that a bunch of these kids are probably going to come back for at least one more season?
1: There are a couple of big flight risks on this team right now. Uh, the, the number one of them is sample, uh, a sample Ranta, My guy. Uh, he, yeah, he's a high draft pick by the Colorado Avalanche. Yep. There was a lot of talk uh, a, a year ago that he was going to bolt after his sophomore year and sign with Colorado. Um, he or his agent or someone smartly took a look at that Colorado lineup and said, you know, I'm gonna wind up playing in the AHL if I sign right now because Colorado's a rock solid team. Yes. That's maybe the best thing the Clippers have going for them is that there's not, you know, a, a guy that's drafted by, let's say, Ottawa or Buffalo or you know, a team with a ton of holes to fill that could slide right into an NHL lineup. You know, Don Lucia always said, you know, if if you're gonna go right to the NHL, go. I, I, I have no qualms with that. If you're gonna leave college early to go play in the AHL and make half as much money and and ride buses around the East Coast. That I don't really understand. So uh, Sampo Ranta is one of those guys, but again, with Colorado's lineup, there's still not a ton of places where he's going to slide right in and play. Uh, The other one I'll look at is Sammy Walker, who's the team captain from Edina, former Mr. Hockey winner. Mm -hmm. Again, the Gophers may be in a good position here because he's a Tampa Bay Lightning draft pick. (laughs) Again, a team with not a lot of holes to fill right now. So I don't think anybody envisions Sammy Walker stepping right from the, uh, the college hockey rink to the Tampa Bay Lightning lineup. But those are the two big ones that I would look at uh, right now as, as potential flight, flight risks. I wrote about Jackson Lacombe a little bit uh, recently. He's a, a sophomore defenseman. He's from uh, Chasky, eden Prairie, played at Shattuck, uh, a real solid offensive defenseman. He was a second-round pick by the Anaheim Ducks. There's a team that you see has some holes to fill and could potentially want to get him into their system sooner. He's an interesting case. His father is his agent. Um, so, uh, you know, w- one of those deals where uh, his father's group will be kind of negotiating on his behalf. And, and you know, one, one of those, uh, you know, I wonder how that situation will play out. But again, he's one that I see could really probably benefit from a third year of college hockey as well.
0: So his dad is representing him. Oh, boy, that must be yes. fun.
1: In- inter- interesting story. Chris Lacombe. Yeah. And, you know, I know Chris pretty well. He was a youth hockey coach in Eden Prairie. Uh, for, for a lot of great players that have come up through the Eden Prairie system, well, uh, you know, kind of out of the blue, CAA, Creative Artists Agency, which is based in Los Angeles, you know, one of the famed agencies out there. Yeah. They represent Oprah Winfrey and and Tom Cruise and, you know, Michael Ovitz started it. They have a sports wing that's that's pretty active. So 15, 20 years ago, Chris Lacombe gets a call from an a, a hockey agent for, from CAA and says, hey, we're trying to get in touch with this kid named Eric Johnson. Do you have any contacts where we might be able to meet him? Chris says, sure, yeah, happy to set things up for you. They fly a couple agents out. They meet with Eric Johnson. You know, he winds up being the number one overall pick in the NHL draft. He played one season with the Gophers. And Chris LaCombe says, hey, while you're here, let's take a drive. I've got to show you Shattuck. You've, you've got to see this place. So Chris LaCombe kind of, as a youth hockey coach, winds up becoming kind of a bird dog for CAA wow. after a couple of years. Like, you know, why don't you take, your, uh, take whatever certification you need why don't you become part of our team and, and you can be an agent? Well, so he's, he's a full-on agent now. Just so happens that his own son <laughs> is second-round draft pick. And, you know, really interesting story. So uh, that's really know, he, good. he gets to, to go to all the home and road games and, you know, this is his job. You know, nice, nice little thing they got going.
0: Hey, quick rant about a thing that's good for the kids, but I have found in, in watching the golfers through the years that it often does not work out for the team. My favorite tournament, World Juniors, right, Jess? I I love it. It's a great tournament. I'll watch it all day long. Uh, Fantastic. But how many times have we seen kids go, right? They get off to great starts. They get picked. The Canadian team, or more appropriately, probably for the Gophers, the U.S. team. And they come back, and they have given their all in what is an incredible sprint, uh, often to success. So that's awesome. Uh, But if I was a coach of a team, I would hate that tournament because I feel like a lot of times guys come back and they're just tuckered out. And it's not the first time, but that's the the continuing thread. And and I am saying that that tournament is fantastic. I love it, but I just feel like so often because it's so intense and so quick that it basically uh, probably uses up a kid's uh, stamina and energy and they come back and they might not be exactly the same player that they were when they left.
1: It's, uh, it's fun to see, you know, on that topic, we had three gophers who went and played for team USA, three defensemen. They all came back with gold medals, you know, huge moment. And they're playing Wisconsin as soon as they get back. And Bob Motzko says, you know, I offered all three of them the opportunity. Hey, you don't have to play this weekend. Well, what kid's going to say, yeah, I'll, I'll take the Wisconsin series off. Come yeah. on, that, that's not going to happen. They're, they're going to fight through. They're going to they're be there. But what's interesting to me, too, is the coaches of programs like Minnesota, North Dakota, Boston College, you know, the, the programs that generally have one, two, three players go play at World Juniors uh, that, that routinely get players picked for this team have in normal years now tried to kind of schedule around that where they maybe won't have a holiday tournament or they'll make sure they don't have a series the first weekend of January. Mm-hmm. That, that will be their bye week because they're planning that we're going to be without certain guys then. And, and you know, uh, every year, nothing, nothing is normal this year, but every year it throws college hockey just into some kind of chaos. I remember going up to Duluth 20 years ago and watching Boston University play in a holiday tournament and, you know, they, they honestly didn't look very good, and they wind up losing to UMD in the championship game of the tournament. And uh, their SID at the time reminds me, oh, by the way, our regular goalie, a kid named Rick DiPietro, is off playing at World Juniors right now. So, you know, he might have made a difference. This <laughs> you think? You, you do get kind of a, a weird sample of things. Thanks, Jeff. Gr- uh, uh, I
2: was going to say, quick yeah.
1: on that topic. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, uh Gophers play at Michigan right right before Christmas. Gophers have three defensemen missing at World Juniors. Yep. Michigan has four forwards missing. And in the, the Friday game, uh, or the first game of the series, Michigan takes three too many men penalties in that game. And you could see on their bench, it was just mass confusion. Oh, you yeah, I watched it. Nobody knows what line they're supposed to be on. Guys are going on when they're not supposed to be going. I had to, you know, so you felt kind of bad for Michigan in a situation like that, but teams just have to adjust to it. It's it's part of the the price you pay for having high-end talent on your team, I guess.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Great stuff.
1: Always good to talk hockey. Take care, Toxie, guys. All right.
0: Thanks, Jess. So, And as always, check out uh, Jess's stuff at The Rink Live. You can also follow him. I'm just looking at his Twitter account to make sure I've got it right at Jess R. Myers. Woo! <laughs> all right. It's our second edition of Judd's Hockey Show, The Wild Protected List with Zolgad and Declan Goff. Now, we sort of cheated in episode 1.0, Declan. I think we both gave a list that w- went seven forwards, three defensemen, one goaltender. Yep. And then and then we gave the potential eight man one goaltender protected list which is another alternative. Mm-hmm. Um I think we did pick one apiece, but this time we can't do two. This time you got to pick your poison. You got to go, you got to take a path. And stay on that. But but as we prepare for what's supposed to be, and who knows now, what's supposed to be a, a July expansion draft with the Seattle Kraken, a name that you love.
2: Love it. It's a great name. <clears throat>
0: the Seattle Kraken uh, coming into the league as an expansion team in twenty one twenty two, uh Each team will have their choice of either protecting seven forwards, three defensemen, and a goalie, or eight skaters and a goalie. And then Seattle will pick from whichever list they get. So I'm going to have you start, Dex. Which one uh, did you pick, and most importantly, who did you put on your list? Reminding people that, if I'm not mistaken, when we did this the first time, which was right before the season started for the Wild, we both left Jordan Greenway off our list. Correct. So, what did you choose?
2: I went with the seven-three-one. Okay, so I did seven, three, one, 7 forward, three defenseman, one goalie. The three defenseman part—I'm just going to spoil this for you right now. Already locked in. You have mm-hmm. Suter, Spurgeon, and Brodeen are protected. Mm-hmm. because they have no movement clauses, so they are automatically protected. You can't, if, if the Wild want to go down this path, then your defensemen already right now are locked in. So that's already, that's already a thing for me. Okay. I'm also, obviously, protecting Cam Talbot. Not obviously, but I'm protecting Cam Talbot, so you can make a case. Maybe you expose him. Maybe you don't, you think Koppel is the guy, and maybe you don't want to pay Talbot. I can understand that, but I do protect Cam Talbot. My seven forwards, though. Parisi and Zuccarello are automatically protected again because of their no movement clauses. So that's five of the uh, two of the seven, excuse me. So that leaves five spots left. So I'm obviously protecting Kevin Fiala. I am now protecting Jordan Greenway. Yep. I'm protecting Joel Ericsson. Yep. I'm protecting Marcus Foligno. Yep. And I'm protecting a player to be named later. Now, here's the issue the Wild are really under here. I- I'm sure they are hoping to God that Victor Rask gets taken. That is, sorry, Seattle's not going to take him. But the Wild. Have so many UFA for their forwards and also rookies that, like Kirill Kaprizov, who's exempt from this list, they're kind of like they don't really have a forward that's worth um, protecting. Like, they, like they're they're, they're stuck right. here, which is actually You're a good right. thing. I'm not trying to say it's a bad. That's a good thing. You're not going to lose a forward of significant importance, unlike uh, three years ago when Vegas entered the league. So, my seven three one goes: Prise, Zuccarello, Fiala, Greenway, eck Folino, and then player to be named later to round out that seven player list. The three defensemen are Suter Spurge and Brodeen. My goalie protecting uh, goalie protection is Cam Talbot, which means that Matt Dumba is being left exposed for the Seattle Kraken to snag up. And I know that's a tough pill to swallow, and a lot can change. Maybe they trade him and they don't have to deal with this. Regardless, Matt Dumba is the player that I am leaving exposed to the Seattle Kraken.
0: Very interesting. So I'm gonna go with the same list. I'm
2: probably can get a Kraken Dumba jersey if that happens, by
0: the way. Seven three one. Th- those are going to be very expensive. That's fine. Two twenty five, I think, starting price. That's fine.
2: Best and best logo.
0: I'm going with the same uh, protected choice seven three one. Uh, I have made a change in goal. Oh boy! I'm going to protect Capo. Oh boy! Because I'm going to assume that of all of the choices that Seattle is going to have, because there's going to be a lot of veteran goaltenders to dig through here, mm-hmm. that they would not take Talbot. So I'm, I'm banking on the fact the thing I don't like about Capo being exposed. If, if Capo is good and he's cheap, he's tempting to take. Sure. Yeah. So I'm protecting him because I do think he has a future here. Talbot does, but it's short term. And I'm, I'm thinking that Seattle, if they do take a goaltender, a veteran goaltender from some team, it's going to be. Much more along the lines of when Flurry got exposed by Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. I don't think Talbot's the goaltender that you take. That's just my guess. So I'm pivoting because I did go Talbot before uh, on both my lists, and I am now going to protect Capo. Defenseman, you're locked
2: in. Yep. Sorry. Unless Sorry you could
0: get Suter to waive the no move.
2: You're not getting Brody and or Spurgeon to do that.
0: No, and you don't want to. And You don't want to because that's dangerous. Right. So so if you could get Ryan to waive the no move, because I don't think Seattle would take him. Um, That would allow you to protect uh, Dumba then and expose Suter, knowing that he wouldn't be taken. But my guess is Ryan being Ryan, he wouldn't go along with that and capitulate to that request. So I'm going to assume that you're right. It's got to be Suter, Spurgeon, Brody. Mm -hmm. My Fords, Parisi, Zuccarello. Oh, I I got, and I've got to ask one of them. i I my it'd be
2: uh, nice if Zuccarello could
0: just expose yourself. Just expose yourself go to Seattle. To, honestly,
2: it'd be a good thing for you, Matt. Just go.
0: Uh, Fiala, Eck, Foligno, Greenway. I'm with you. So I think the conversation here, because we're pretty much in lockstep. I think the conversation now is this. There is an urgency before this expansion draft to trade Dumba. Like, if this is what we're going to do, why just lose him? Or why, I, why I run? The, and I think that what you're, I think that we both agree. So I protected six known commodities at forward two. So I think we both agree that forward seven has to be somebody that you get for Dumba.
2: Yeah.
0: Um. So if, if Suter says, I don't care, I'll waive my no move clause because the Kraken aren't going to take me. That solves my problem pretty damn near completely. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if he doesn't, and I'm guessing he doesn't, now you've got a forward that you're going to protect that needs to come through a Dumba trade. Uh, and And that's where we circle back to our reckless speculation that we had last week on potential trades for centers, on potential moves that would include Dumba. But the urgency now before that expansion draft date in, I think, mid to late July becomes pretty important. Yes, it does it becomes pretty imperative that you have to trade him. Um, And I don't know. It's probably part of a package, which is absolutely fine. Uh, But I don't see if Greenway is going to continue to play the way that he has. You can't let him walk. You can't. Like those players are too hard to find and they have a special skill set. And he is doing before the shutdown. Again, he was doing everything that we asked him to do. Doesn't mean he's a star, but it means he works damn hard. And he's very effective, and that body for that position in today's game is extremely important.
2: Absolutely, yeah. He, he's he's playing himself into the conversation of, of of being protected, which is a good thing. I'm glad uh, I'm glad he finally stepped his game up. We've been very critical of him uh, for the for for basically his entire career. He's been Charlie Quill 2.0, but I'm glad that he's uh, taking the next step. And so with Eck, Eck scoring goals, X not scoring pretty goals, but he's scoring goals. I bet, like I, I'm glad that both these guys are finally getting rewarded with how they've been playing it's been it's been refreshing it just stinks that again we're what now uh a week into the season being paused by the wild side part uh, side part and we can't watch them for probably a foreseeable future
0: that's right that's right so let, let's go back on, on the uh, reckless speculation that we did last week okay yep ready so we talked about um shortly before we did our, our show i believe it was on hockey night in canada that friedman reported that sam bennett of the calgary flames had requested a trade, and that came as a surprise to the Flames. So since then, so he was scratched, I, I think, the Thursday after we did our, or no, he, he, the last Judd's hockey show was on Friday. He was scratched on Thursday. So things looked bad then. Yep. I uh, He got back in the lineup over the weekend, and in fact has since then been promoted to second-line wing. Now, he is a center by trade, but he was promoted to second-line wing as Calgary, I think, tries to make things right. So it's not a slam dunk that he is going to be traded. In fact, he very, he very well, if things now work out and who knows, might not be okay. Yep. Uh, we also discussed the potential availability of, uh, Philip Daniel of the Montreal Canadiens, who also is a center, but the Canadians have really nice depth at center. So they have done the same thing, I believe and moved Daniel to a wing, but he's a very important player there. He kills penalties. He plays a lot. Uh, he, He's a guy who, if you were going to try and get him and put him back at center, would cost you a lot. So let's go to to the guy that I think you brought this up with me off the air yesterday as far as potential availability. That is Hastings native Derek Stepan, who was with the Rangers, got traded to the coyotes, and then during the course of um, during the course of the summer, was traded by the coyotes to the senators. And sounds like things have not gone gone great. He's away from his family. Obviously, Canada is far more quarantined than we are. Uh, And so there is already talk that he could be moved. Now, he is not young. And I believe his contract is coming up fairly soon. And he makes a pretty penny. All of that being said, your thoughts on a potential trade with the senators to get Derek Stepan?
2: Reckless speculation. So... Derek Stepan's making six and a half mil this year. He'll be a UFA after the season. Um, he wants to be close to his family. He's in a basically dumpster fire. That is the Ottawa. So- I shouldn't call them a dumpster fire. They're just going to be bad. They're just a bad. I don't know if they're a dumpster.
0: The fire. Red Wings might be more of a dumpster fire, right?
2: I agree. But the that. Sens aren't good. The so Sens are not good. like he's stuck there, right? The now. good news is he wants out. He's old, and the Senators have cap space to play with. Yes. So to be honest. I, I would take a chance on Stepan, knowing that you're not going to have to give up significant assets to do it. I think Guerin knows that. I think the Senators know that. Um, so, yes, I'm in on the idea of trading for him because I, I do think he would fill a void. And you also, again, you're, you're off the hook. You're not like, it's not like you're trading for a guy who has an albatross contract. He's making six and a half mil for three more seasons. He's a UFA. So you gonna have to pay part of his salary. Um, right now, Ottawa has a first round pick. Two second round picks, a third round pick. They don't have a fourth and a fifth. Okay. If I'm the Wild and, and I, I hate to keep using him, but like again, they have they have salary cap space to play with. I don't trade. Obviously, I don't trade Dumba to make this happen. That no would hell be, no. It'd be dumb. Nope. Um, but I would trade Johansson. I would trade a Benino and a fourth or fifth to get him. And to be honest, I'd call that just trade a wash because they have they have enough cap space with their they're not up against it. Right. Like right now. The Senators have nine million in cap space. So they're honestly trying to play with getting to the floor of the cap space, which yeah. is why they have Stephon still on the roster.
0: They're pretty cheap.
2: So he's not going to cost a lot. And again, it's a good situation because he's entering. He's Yes, you're trading for a rental, but he's not going to be putting himself in a position where I think you overpay for him in the offseason. So, I don't think the Wild would do that.
0: So he he is uh, unrestricted after this season. Yep. But if, you, if he got traded back here, he'd probably give you a pretty favorable price. Because he'd I be back so. home. He's and, thir-
2: he's thirty years old. Yeah, right I
0: think that it would be advantageous for him to be home. Right. Uh so all of that being said, yeah, if you could get him for Joe Hansen and a draft pick.
2: Yeah, or draft pick. I'm with I, you. I, I, I think you do. And he it.
0: would plug in as your top guy.
2: And and this is different from other situations where like you're you're not trading something of significant importance to get, you know, someone like Sean Bergenheim. Like you're you're getting a position of need. Um, you're not trading around first-round picks for Jason Pommenville and then inking him to a five-year deal. Uh, Like Derek Stepan Stepan with entering the last year of his contract and him filling the void as a center and him wanting to be home, I think that's a win-win for the Wild. The only fear I have is if the Wild give up significant assets, that's a first-round pick. Matt Dumba territory, I don't think Garen is dumb enough to do something
0: like that. No, hell no, 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 no. So, I think this this is
2: honestly a realistic trade. Like, of all of our reckless speculation trades, this is the one that probably makes the most sense to do from both sides.
0: And it wouldn't be big. No. Like, it it wouldn't be seen as some big big trade. This is
2: not a game-changing trade, necessarily. This is a trade that needs to happen because the Wild don't have any significant center on the roster. Yes. Like, yes, it's fun to talk about. Uh, Dubois, or even like Dylan Larkin in, in Dallas, or Eichel in Buffalo. Like, oh, it'd be great to get one of these young studs who are, you know, blossoming into top ten players in the league. But that's going to cost significant assets to get uh, get one of those players. And, so, Stepan would be awesome. And you
0: are going to have to do that eventually. Like, sure. if, but here's here's my thing too. Now, w- with how weird this is going to be, and we don't know when the Wild's going to play again. We don't. There's so many factors right now, right? If I'm Garen, I am think I'm hitting the brakes on doing something that looks like it's a big move, unless I damn well know that that move is going to impact me positively short-term and long-term. But, like, Stepan's fine because that's just a draft picks or a player I don't want. But I'm saying as far as I think that there's an urgency to trade Dumba with the protected list that we did, Dex. But there's not an urgency to trade him to be good for 21. Yeah. That makes sense. now, yeah. Because we don't know when they're going to play again. You don't know anything. And you know what? I'm sorry. But at this point in time, with what, five teams on pause, I can't take this whole thing, and I still watch games, but I can't take this whole thing completely seriously. Like the 2021s, no. I mean, we don't know if teams are going to play the full allotment now of 56 games. We don't know if there's if the league's just going to go into, like, a two-week pause, which it very well could do. So I guess I've adjusted my thought process as far as potential moves go to if it's going to be, like, a Dumba trade, that's great and that's fine, but that's got to be to my benefit into 2021-22, 22-23. Uh, the Stepan trade, short-term, yeah, if if it's a pick. And look, if the guy has gone to, to Canada – can't see his family, hates his life. You know, it's not it's not like the sens are like, yeah, we can't trade that center.
2: I'd be pissed if I was in Ottawa too.
0: Yeah, exactly right. So, <laughs> really but is. this has changed my thinking. Yeah. Right now, short term, cuz you know, again, I mean, okay, if you win the cup now, they're going to talk about, well, it's a great accomplishment to go through, but it's a pandemic. The whole thing's been altered. Yeah. I am far more concerned if i am if I am the league and if I'm a team, if I'm Bill Garrett, my main thing now is how are we back to as normal as possible, yeah, playing a full schedule in October of two thousand twenty one not man, I hope we can come back and play and push now right
2: that that that's why it makes a lot of sense to just. Give up someone in, in, in Benino or Johansson to get someone like Stefan. And they're Reyes not going to be back anyway. All these guys are UFAs. And, they're, and You're right. honestly, none of them are going to be back. So it, it, I think it'd be foolish for the wild not to pick up the phone and at least make the call. I think it'd be absolutely foolish not to do that.
0: Make the call, get the small haul.
2: That, that's fine. Because you won't get
0: the haul. You yeah. just get the small
2: haul. That's fine with me. I think it's a good idea. Make final, the call. Oh, um,
0: final thought. <laughs> with Brian Burke and Ron Hextall oh. now in charge in Pittsburgh. How long before Zucker uh, gets tra- traded again? <laughs> I don't think they're gonna. I I think they're gonna make some moves there. Don't you?
2: Yeah, I could see that. I, they uh, this was this is good news for the Wild, by the way, because if the Wild if the the, the worse the Penguins are, the better draft pick the Wild are gonna get. Um, so it looks like the Penguins are, are. I don't think I don't think the Penguins are a dumpster fire. They're not they're, entering. You know, not. The,
0: a, they're not dumpster fire. They're not fire. entering
2: Detroit, Ottawa territory. No. But but they could be a fringe top ten think that could happen. That they, it could be nine or ten. And, they could
0: easily miss the playoffs. That division's damn good.
2: Yeah. So this is this is good news for the Wild. But yes, I would not be shocked if Jason Zucker uh, once again on the move. Really, too bad. That's that's just
0: bad. Hey, last thing: if you're if you're Bill Guerin and your phone rings today and you pick it up, and it's the representative for Miko Koivu, and he says, "Look, he'd like to come back and play there." You don't have a guy that could basically play his position. Do you entertain a Koivu return for what's going to, and I don't don't know how much there's there's going to be. Obviously, they're going to come back and play at some point. Uh, Do you entertain a Koivu return for the last part of the 21 season?
2: No. God, no. Um, I'm done with this. I don't want another fourth line center. I'm with
0: you, by by the way. I just am curious. Yeah, no. Because I wouldn't be. Zero chance. That one would not. Like I know he retired, but he retired from the Blue Jackets and playing for Torts.
2: Yeah, zero who, who chance. has
0: benched Patrick Line a already. So
2: he apparently just, said something to a coach. That's why. I yeah, got he has said
0: something to an assistant so coach. Reportedly, it
2: wasn't necessarily his play. And then Line a owned up to it as well, saying, "Yeah, no, it was my fault. I didn't mean to, for that to happen, and it's justified why I got benched." But Good the point, Patrick. Bo,
0: right, anyway. exactly. Right, but the <laughs> yeah, and and you know what? The next time he get, gets benched, it'll be because he, he was told to backcheck more or something like that. But I'm with you. I don't do it. I'm just saying, I wouldn't be surprised if that call was made.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked either. But Miko, you don't have a center. Can, I, I don't, can, just can you pull? go enjoy like Tamarack Village and Woodbury or something? Like I know you're probably coming back here to Minnesota. Just like just it, just go away. Go hang out with Chip go, Scoggins. Go away. I don't think Chipper wants to hang out with Miko. No, oh, might be a good column. Yeah.
0: All right. We are uh, done. Thanks to uh, Jess for joining us, talking wild and go for hockey. And uh, Declan, do your thing before we're out. Pass, shoot, score. This holiday, whether you're making
1: a Fred Meyer Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for 2 Fred Meyer has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that
2: bring you all together to create memories that last. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply.
0: Get more ways to save
1: at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar
0: each with card. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. At the Home Depot, we have plenty of Christmas trees to make your holidays even more magical. Hundreds of full, easy-to-assemble artificial trees that look so real, you may be convinced they actually are. And for those who love that fresh pine smell, we have a parking lot full of fresh-cut trees to call your own. We'll even help you load your tree in the car so you can bring home the holidays. The Home Depot, how doers get more done.